the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. I am Spud Goodman. Spud man. I'm laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> I mean, I, I cannot deny it as someone is just going to fact check me. So yeah, I plead guilty. Welcome to our show. Uh, I'm fairly certain that we have a, a pretty decent episode for you. No, no promises, but it looks like this one won't suck. So why don't I bring on our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Can, can you give us a state-of-the-art chuckle? I'm in the mood for a top-shelf chuckle right oh, now. Oh, I guess I could. Give me a moment. Okay, here it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Well, you know, if you say so. Yeah. And now I'm required to introduce our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, go ahead, you can say something now, but think carefully about what you say as they could be your last words aloud if they're inappropriate. I think that this is your way of telling me something. Spud, what could I possibly say that would be inappropriate? Well, all sorts of words. So many words that it would be smart to say nothing at all. I mean, that would be the smart way to play this. Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. Yeah, I, I get it. This is just another attempt to censor me on this program to limit my free speech. Well... I will not allow my First Amendment rights, and probably a few others too, to be infringed upon, and that's why I refuse to wear a mask here in the studio. Freedom! So, I will just say how excited I am for this episode, and uh, hope I will be given my moment to shine as I'm ready at all times. Uh, good to know, but unnecessary. And yeah. we're not having. You don't have to wear the mask at all times in here. You know that. Uh, uh, when we're on, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, anyway, you won't be needed. Anyway, nothing's going to happen. Uh, and you know, I, if possible, I could collapse here in front of my microphone from starvation. Though I got to say this, my stomach is really growling. Uh, I need to sneak a snack. But, but, you know, anyway, if I was not vaccinated like five times so far, I would never let you in the studio, Mr. My Body, My Choice, as you are a walking typhoid Mary. That, oh, that lady wow. that infected so many other people in like 1907, she, she was quarantined for 26 years, I read. So, so you anti-vaxxers have gotten off easy so far. Well, I, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, that's I, what they all say. Well, I just choose not to allow the government to decide what goes into my body. 
I already have to deal with being uh, magnetized by one of those body scanners what? at the airport recently. Recently, yeah, and and also having a possible chip put into my brain during a <laughs> dental appointment last year. So no, so no, I will not be a guinea pig for Bill Gates or Doctor Fauci. I don't think those two guys care much about you. You will. Well, okay, okay, maybe Doctor Fauci might feel sort of bad if you got sick without being vaccinated, but I doubt that Bill Gates is, is capable of feeling sorry for for you or really anyone. Uh, even if you kick the bucket, he he's pretty detached and is strictly, in my opinion, a numbers-oriented kind of guy. That's how I see him. Uh, so this would be on you, and I wouldn't expect much sympathy from others. Yeah, mm. I, I doubt Bill Gates would be able to generate any empathy at all if you should get ill, Gerald. Right. Why don't you just man up and get the vaccine? How stupid can a person be to say no to a medical miracle that will keep you out of the hospital? Well, I will not answer how stupid I would have to be to just say no, Mrs. Jarvis, <laughs> but that is between me and God. Uh, trust me, God thinks you're a major d for not getting vaccinated. Ooh. Anyway... Let me bring up the topic that I wanted to discuss on this show. As I, you know, I gave well, it a lot of... Excuse me. I've been waiting to be introduced since that show theme was playing. Why I, as the most popular person on this program, doesn't open the show with at least a short monologue. I just don't get it. Well, Clearly, it's pretty obvious. I'm what the people want, and oh, I have to sit here like really? three minutes into this thing, and I haven't been introduced. That's <laughs> wrong. Well, okay. If not introducing you is wrong, then I don't want to be right, okay? Yeah, that's for the record. If you're going to be a, a baby about it, okay, fine. Here's our show's intern chance, someone who's alleged to be kind of popular, according to some stupid listener survey, which I know is bogus. Uh, it's all fake news. I mean... So you you can acknowledge my acknowledgement and let me get to the topic well, I want I'll to discuss. I'll take the high road here and not create a scene in the studio. It can wait until after the show. Oh, babe, you are growing up before my eyes. The chance from last year would have thrown a major temper tantrum if he wasn't introduced in a timely fashion. My love for you blossoms more each day. Okay. I'm so impressed. I'm a grown-ass man now, and I understand better why insecure people like Spud here often try to stifle the careers of others who threaten him. Someday, he will be Look, the... Look, hey, please, please, please don't talk like I am not here in the studio with you, and I'm not, I'm not dead yet, too, so quit talking like I'm in the past tense, man. You think this is funny? <laughs> is this a joke to you? Literally, no, but figuratively, yeah, you are in the past tense. Uh, okay, okay, let's drop this and move on to the topic we're going to discuss. Any topic. Right in, Dorothy. Thanks. Uh, I almost forgot what I wanted to bring up. No, I read this story about a woman who, who dumped her live-in boyfriend because he tried to make her throw away all the pictures, the, the letters, and mementos uh, from her old boyfriends over the years. I guess, uh, I guess she had them stored up in a container in the garage. Evidently, the boyfriend, this is what I got from the story, uh, came across the stuff one day and flipped out. She, she posted you know, on Facebook about this, and, and it kind of blew up from there. All over the media, uh, a lot of people jumped into this one and voiced their opinions. So I thought I would make my position known if, if anyone's interested. I don't think anyone is interested you don't know that. about what you think. Oh. Well, 
not just on this, but everything. You and all your fellow boomers are kind of irrelevant these days, Spud. I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm just telling you the truth. No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Uh, listen, you arrogant little millennial pipsqueak. I am trying to do a radio show here, and this is called content. It's necessary in a talk show. So, so butt out and let me do my job. Well, Chance wasn't trying to be disrespectful, Spud. He was just being real. We baby boomers need to leave the stage and let some fresh blood take over. And Dorothy... Are you a baby boomer too? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I, I might have to look that the age brackets uh, for for that on Google later. But anyway, I think there's plenty of fresh blood in front of those millennials. What about Generation X? Okay, they have seniority over them. Uh, you know, look. We're, now we're running late, and I'm gonna have to to bring this up later. Spud, your first guest, John Cameron Mitchell, is waiting to speak with you. Uh, you know, I'm not aware of who John is. Can I assume he's an actor? Well, among many other job titles, yeah. I mean, this guy does it all. Uh, of course, he wrote, directed, and starred in Hedwig and the Angry Inch, a great stage play, movie, and soundtrack. I I played his song, Angry Inch, on the show a while ago. I'm, I'm a fan. Okay. Uh, he, he has this new massive musical podcast now out that, that features some of the bigger names in showbiz. Anyone I might know? Would you Who shut is up, your, man? Listen, uh, I don't have the time to quiz you on the whole cast, okay? The, let's just say well, e everyone but you is very familiar with most, if not all, of the performers in it. Uh, I'll let him toss out a few names. Okay, but tell me, is Tom Selleck or Angela Lansbury in it? Uh, no, they're not, okay? Uh, uh, just just put John through, please. Very well. Here he is. Please welcome actor, playwright, screenwriter, and director John Cameron Mitchell. We appreciate you coming on our show. Hello. Yeah. How are you? I'm calling from L.A. All right. Super. Just, super. Just arrived back from Australia shooting Joe Exotic. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a sec. Which was a trip. Yeah. But let's let's start off with uh, you have a project, a new podcast that is quite spectacular in scope. Anthem Homunculus, uh, which is now available on all podcast platforms. Instead of me attempting to describe it, I'll probably hammer it. Can you handle the honors, please? Sure. I Brian Weller and I made a musical podcast series, and in, in, in a way, it's it's like it's like Hedvig, but there's no visuals uh -huh. in ten episodes. Um, but it's also quite autobiographical. I think of it as an alternate alternative autobiography. It's the first eighteen years are my life with my family, and then it's at a certain point if I decided not to leave my small town, what might have happened? And the character ends up. Not, kind of destitute with a brain tumor no insurance uh -huh. and he decides to crowdfund his health care so he in effect is using an app called Intelethon to do an audio telethon to try to raise a hundred thousand to get out his tumor and he's telling his life story the, the whole time so we have flashbacks to Glenn Close as his mother and Patty Lupone as his aunt and mm -hmm. Marion Cotillard as his doctor and ultimately Laurie Anderson as his tumor which turns out to be sentient 
All right, then. Um, wow. So it's we're really trying to make something we haven't seen before, which is my favorite thing to do. Um, and it was, there's 40 actors, uh, sorry, 40 uh, characters, um, 40 pieces of music, 31 songs, and an incredible cast. Cynthia Erivo, Dennis O'Hare. Um, it's chock full of, of um, my favorite actors. All right. Well, you, you also, you mentioned this, you also have a show coming out soon on Peacock, uh, Joe Exotic, co-starring with Kate McKinnon of SNL. Uh, that should be a low-key project, right? I seem to do nothing but characters with blonde wigs, you know. Oh, yeah. And I I feel like uh, it's strange because I didn't really relate to the docuseries back then. It just felt like another kind of rubberneck, you know, slow down to watch the car crash. But then I got it. You know, this script is so much deeper. You know, you really get in to both, you know, Carol Baskin and Joe Exotic's psyche. And even if they adapt the facts, you know, it's not a fact-based thing. It's more of a, an imagining. Um, you really see how much they think of themselves as victims, you know, and they were victims when they were young of trauma. And so I start to relate to Joe Exotic in a way I didn't expect to, um, because he's weirdly courageous and, and corrupted and all these other, and megalomaniacal. Well, and what a character to play. You know what I mean? Like this kind of failed, you know, Richard III or something. Right. Well, and the writing is great, you know? I feel really, I think it's going to be good. It's not light and fluffy totally, though, correct? No, it gets pretty deep. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was working every nerve, you know, every emotional nerve. But it, 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 at the same time, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't stint on the humor. You know, it's, you know, it feels closer to something like a very English scandal. You know, did you see that miniseries that Hugh Grant and Ben Wishaw were in? Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with it. it. I didn't it, see it, but yeah. You sh- yeah, you should see it. It's really good. Um, funny, but somehow moving at the same time, which is my favorite thing. All right. Excuse me, Spud. What? Well, if I may jump in here, as I have to say, I heard the name Joe Exotic mentioned, and... I, I have to tell you, I am a fan of Joe's. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, you know, he was a big fellow Donald Trump supporter, too. Yeah, and I know this. treated very badly by the media, by the way. They all made fun of him, and I found it to be quite upsetting. And I just hope he's doing okay in prison right now. Uh, hey, John, I need a moment here. Sure. Uh, yeah. The, the man was convicted of hiring a hitman to kill his arch nemesis Carol Baskin. Yeah. I, I know she was also suspected of killing her prior husband, but did you think Joe should just have gotten maybe community service? Well, that would have been one option, yes. Or or maybe he could have just made a few public service videos about how to take care of tigers in your home. You know, he knows a whole lot about that. I don't think there's a real need for that type of thing, okay? Yeah, well. I just know our former president was going to pardon him, and I think he just forgot in the last few days he was in office. I'll tell you, I blame those Antifa rioters who broke into the Capitol and distracted him. Uh, And uh, uh, by the way, I also uh, think he forgot to pardon that Unabomber fellow, too. Yeah, must have slipped his like Big Mac saturated mind. I don't know, but just, just let me get back to John, okay? 
Alrighty, I have returned. Great. Well, i got to ask you this. You, you did three seasons on the Hulu series Shrill, based on Lindy West's book, playing the ego-driven, yep. self-involved character Gabe Parrish at the boss at a weekly alternative publication, The Thorn, set in Portland. So, as it was really about her time at The Stranger in Seattle, and your character was in part based on Dan Savage, who ran it back then, I have to ask if you ever spoke to Dan about the role. I haven't. I've, I met Dan once years ago and I really liked them um, but I never did so I didn't really and I didn't read the book purposefully because I knew Dan I didn't want to like you know, I'm not doing Dan you know in fact I purposefully pushed it away from that um, he's a you know the character is now a former rock musician and, right you know has a different vibe but um, I did pull from my own experiences with with uh, and I don't think of this in as Dan, but um, of the people who think of themselves as the old punkers and complain about everything being not as, as not good as, as cool. It was. Yeah, and, yeah. And in some ways, they're in some ways they're right, but so I could draw from my own experience. But at, at the same time, there's also like they're like question authority, but don't question me. You know, it's like when <laughs> it's when the the activist becomes the dictator, uh, which is a bad time. Right, right. Um, well, everyone I, comes from the same rage. I, I kind of want to just say he's he, he's a really smart man, but has been known to be kind of mean. So you did a great job with the part. Let me just say that. But all right, okay. um, I, I got one last question because uh, I know you got to go. Uh, you were raised as a Catholic. I, I can't imagine that experience did not have a major impact on your creative processes. I went to Catholic school for a while, and, and the list of stuff to not do, stuff you're not supposed to do, is pretty lengthy. Did did, did it has it had a big impact on you? Yes. You know, and someone once said, you know, lapsed Catholics make very good artists. I, I think there's a kind of, you know, historical pageantry and ritual and metaphor is, is the basis of Catholicism more than any, not the more than, more than any Western religion, let's say. Um, you know, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors and, and uh, guys in dresses, right? So yeah, yeah. The Protestants, the gayified it, removed the glam, you know, removed the Virgin Mary, anything that was distracting. <laughs> um, so I still have the old, that's my drag, I guess, you know? Okay. And, but the guilt, you're right, the guilt goes along with that too, and that's, an, that's difficult. I try to channel it into helping people out, you know, and my own work, just raising money for causes and stuff, you know, that's maybe my Catholic side too, good side of it. Right. But I have an aunt that um, in the podcast is played by Patty Lupone, who's this very activist, liberal Catholic nun, who my favorite relative, mm -hmm. you know, who is, you know, to the left of me and she's awesome, you know, and she has a, a humanity and empathy that and outrage for injustice that you know, well, rivals any anyone. So it's like I have my Catholicism has a lot of sides to it, and I don't practice anymore, but it's still there. Yeah, it's it's tough to shake. I'll say that, but I, I know you got to go yes. for sure. So <laughs> I, I, let me say again that you have a new podcast that is quite groundbreaking, Anthem Homunculus, which is now available on all podcast platforms. I just want to thank you so very much for checking in with us. Thanks so much, bud. I hope you have a great day. You too, Mr. John Cameron Mitchell.
is the Spud Goodman Show. What else is there, man? Now, can we get back to what I was trying to bring up before I was so rudely interrupted by our egomaniac intern Chance? Yeah, you over there. I remember when interns were seen and not heard. They would never question, a, you know, the topic a host of a show would bring up. You should be ashamed of yourself, young man. And by the way, there's no I in team. I think I brought that up many times. Think there about it. There is no team in this studio. Well. Just a bunch of people doing a very mediocre radio show. Uh, what are you talking about? Hey, hey, Chance, I feel we're all members of a team. All of us here no, okay, in the studio. Okay, maybe I over... Uh, no, I actually clarify. Was not all of us, but well, Chance is our intern. He's a member of the team. Yeah. So I was referring to that. Well, and, and maybe maybe Chance never has never been on a team before. But, you know, Spud, I myself, I was a member of the Young Entrepreneurs Club at my high school. And as a matter of fact, I was elected sergeant of arms of the club my senior year and that experience really shaped me and and my future career yeah <clears throat> i'm not interested in joining any team that is comprised of guys who are well past their prime uh. i've been on a team before in my first year at community college i was on the hacky sack team they give scholarships for the really good players i was a walk-on and mostly a reserve player but i did okay don't tell me about being a teammate. I know all about it. Oh, honey, no need to get worked up about this. Uh, you know, maybe we can play a little hacky sack this weekend. You've never discussed this part of your college life before. Oh, and I bet you were really good, as you are so athletic. Oh, and Dorothy, this, this guy's not an athlete, and hacky sack is about... As much of a real sport as golf is. Oh. Anyway, I, I want to return to the story of that woman who ditched her live-in boyfriend after he, he told her to, to dump all the mementos from old relationships she'd stored up. It, it's kind of trending right now. Maybe we can tap into it. I myself ha have had a bit of trouble, you know, in my previous marriages with this sort of thing. You know, my, my first two wives found my, my memory box. It was just a shoebox with a memory box written on it, you know, with a felt pen. But it contained a lot of my history with the women in my life over the years. Uh, both times I thought I had hidden it pretty well, but somehow it was found. And yeah, it, it caused some not so fun times. Would you be where you are? Had there not been a sex tape? No. Oh, oh, oh. I, I think I remember something about this. Didn't you call me one night many years ago about hiding that memory box at my uh, house? Yeah, I, I think I did try that angle, and you said no both times. Uh, you know, maybe it was, I was calling too late or something. I don't yeah. Know. I learned a valuable lesson after my second wife, Liz, told me that she was most upset that I could not find a better hiding place as the last thing she wanted to do was find my stash of prior romantic history, you know, with other women. So uh, I immediately then went out and opened, uh, you know, a safety box to put everything in better late than never, right? And by then, that, that memory box was, was pretty beat up, so it was a smart thing to do on so many levels, really. Uh, Spud, what kind of romantic mementos were in your memory box? Like, are we talking old Valentine's cards or love notes or uh, maybe ticket stubs from an event that was special? Well, you know, the, there might have been a few ticket stubs in there, but mostly they were pictures okay you know that that caused the most trouble uh, my my mom ha, ha, you know gave me a polaroid one-step camera remember those uh, after oh, i yeah. graduated from college and i i took a lot of pictures 
with permission, I should say, you know. But but one lesson that is very clear to me at this point in my life, it's a good thing those Polaroid cameras went the way of VCRs, you know, because they can they could only get you into trouble. That I have to, you know, I'll, yeah, you know, because no no wife wants to see a picture of you with another woman like skinny dipping or streaking through a mall, you know. And those were just a couple that got me in trouble. Oh yes, I do remember hearing about those Polaroid pictures. How, yeah. how, really, Spud, how could you have been so careless about where you stored them? I don't understand. Well, like I said, live and learn, okay? You know, hey. Yeah. When I was in junior high, I came across a few pictures of my parents in, let's say, a lovemaking session. It creeped me out, but I never told them about it. I just put them back. I wish they would have kept their Polaroids in a safety deposit box, too. That's ridiculous. Can I can I ask why anyone would take pictures of the romantic encounters? That is disgusting. I don't think so. A, a camera was not meant to document such a, a private moment. I mean, why not just sell tickets to spectators? I, I gotta say, this topic is very offensive. And that is what Snapchat was invented for. Uh, I certainly see no need to permanently keep moments of romantic activity for eternity... Take a peek afterwards and then let it disappear. And who wants a relative going through their things when you leave this earth? It can really reshape others' opinions of you. Well, you know, that, that woman in the story felt it was important to her, uh, this is what I read, you know, to keep some mementos from her prior relationships. And I totally understand that, you know. She was right to dump that douchebag boyfriend because he, he sounds like a member of the American Taliban. Oh, so you're saying it's just fine to proudly taunt a current romantic partner with, say, an old dried corsage or a long stem rose from a past lover? Spud, that would be so wrong. By uh. keeping old mementos from prior relationships, it sends the message that there might be someday a possibility of getting back together with someone as you uh, cherish an item enough to keep it for years. What kind of message does that send? You stupid, ignorant son of a dumb Well, to an old boyfriend or girlfriend uh, uh, that, that someone saved some stuff from their past because it meant something to them, they would love it. I mean, I, no. I wish someone from my past, you know, kept anything documenting our time together, but yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I know it's never happened. Mostly the women in my life, you know, burned everything of record between us, and that's what I've been told on a couple of occasions. R right. Uh, no, no. I, I mean I mean to their current spouse or, or boyfriend or girlfriend. They would be devastated if they discovered this kind of stuff. I, I certainly understand why that woman in the story created such a problem. L let me tell you, uh, the only romantic mementos in the whole come home involve just my wife and I, and we have quite a few of them. There, there must be, I don't know, four or five large containers in our basement with all sorts of mementos going all the way back to when we first dated in high school. Uh, Rachel still has the bag from McDonald's where we had our first date while in 10th grade. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've seen it recently as it's, yeah, okay. it's really deteriorated quite okay. a bit, Pro probably from the French fry grease stains, but uh, actually <sighs> there were three or four Four bags from that date as, you know, I was a growing boy and I could eat a fair number of Big Macs <laughs> in one sitting. But uh, listen, not having the foresight that up? Rachel showed, I tossed the rest of them in the trash that afternoon. You know, 
she even saved my birthday gift from her 17th birthday, and it was an eight-track tape okay. of the band Bread. Uh, it was sort of a re-gift as I uh, was kind of broke in those days. And I got it from my dad, who got it in a secret Santa exchange at his office. He hated uh. bread, but Rachel still loves them. So uh, anyway, it, it's too bad we can't find an eight-track player these days. I, I'm going to keep looking, though. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, please don't bring up bread, all right? That that oh. band stirs up really bad memories for me at school dances. You know, when their songs were played, I was I was always, I don't know, I basically struck out asking girls to dance because it was the you know the wimpy stuff. Man, yeah, you had to slow dance, and their stuff was so wimpy. And that that was like almost getting to first base in those days. So yeah, I you know I just I wasn't real successful, and I had to just stand around with my hands in my pockets. Uh, Man, now you're getting me to to depressed. We're living the horrors of like seventh grade. Well, I wasn't uh, trying to. So right now, can someone check about our next guest if, they, if they're ready? Oh, uh, yeah, yes. But I'm being told that your next guest, B. D. Wong, is waiting to speak with you. Okay, cool. You know, he's yet one more piece of the old HBO show Oz cast. You know, to check off my list. Obviously, if you've seen his work, he's a really good actor. I mean, he won a freaking Tony on Broadway, so yeah, the man can act. And now he has a show on Comedy Central, uh, co-starring with Aquafina. Oh, I enjoyed BD and Mr. Robot. Oh, yeah, and everybody right. on that show was dark and mysterious, which, of course... That's uh, just in my erotic wheelhouse, you know. It's what I first found most attractive in Chance. He has right. those qualities, as he's a very mysterious guy, too. How does that resonate for you in the bedroom? Yeah, I don't see it myself. I mean, he seems like a very simple millennial who was floundering until he hooked up with a financially secure older woman who has, you know, let's, let's be real, has rescued him from a life of total futility. <sighs> no offense, Chance, I'm just being honest. Well, I considered the source and disregard anything you say, so no worries, bud. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, someone just, just put BD through. Yeah, uh, right, here, here he is. Say hello to actor B.D. Wong. We really appreciate you checking in with us. Hey, thank you, Spud. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank now, you for having me. Yeah, you, you're co-starring on the Comedy Central series Aquafina is Nora from Queens, airing Wednesday nights at yes. 10, 9 Central. Very good. Exactly. That is exactly right. And it is a very sweet, lovely, funny, hilarious show um, surrounding this character of Nora from Queens, who is played by Aquafina who we might know from lots of different things, including this movie, this Marvel movie, Shang-Chi, which has just come out and is just taking the country by storm. She's a, a somebody to watch. You know, she has a great comic energy and, and a really fun, um, uh, naughty kind of sensibility, and the show kind of captures that. So I, I'm really proud to be on it. I really like it a lot. I really, I play her dad, and she, she grew up in Queens in real life, and this is a kind of depiction of her growing up in Queens and trying to find herself as a young woman. Mm -hmm. She grew up also with her grandmother. So there's this intergenerational uh, component to the show, which is fascinating to me um, because it's wonderful to work with these young performers. Bowen Yang from Saturday Night Live rounds out the cast also what's her cousin. Right. Super. So among the four of us, the kind of regulars of the show, there is this really great um, intergenerational energy. Um, which I don't think you see on a lot of shows. 
Well, okay, I got to say this. BD, I, you yeah. know, if this is a big deal for me to have you on the show as uh, I got to say, I am maybe one of the, of the biggest fans of Oz Around. The HBO series aired from oh. 97 to 2003 and is still available wow. on demand there. I can now check you it off is. my list of cast members being on the show because so far we've had Ernie Hudson, Dean Winters, Adewale, Akinawe, Agbaji, Harold Perrineau, Christopher Maloney, Lance Reddick, and now you. It's going to take me a while to run the deck as wow. that was a big freaking cast, right? It was a huge cast, and it was one of my great experiences. I really, really loved that show. And I do think people should check that show out. Yes. The original HBO one-hour drama. I mean, they, they were not making one-hour dramas on HBO when Oz came around. Now, of course, that's their bread and butter. Um, and Or, or I, I think it is. And, and, Heck and, yes. And so... It, they, they they kind of cut their teeth in some ways on the one hour drama with Oz and show other shows like Oz, and it was a very creative show, a super dramatic and intense show, and not like anything else that you've ever really seen. They had a lot of different indie film directors come in and direct episodes of it. That gave it a different kind of vibe too. It 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 just broke ground in so many levels. Uh, do do you have a favorite moment from the series? Anything that stands out? Golly, I loved, um, you know, that, that, that it doesn't have to do with the actual content of the show, but I, my son was born around the time that I was on that set. And my son had a difficult birth. In fact, he was one of two twins, and my, his brother didn't make it. And my, my the cast of that show was unbelievably wonderful to me as a result of this experience. And, you know, it's like a family, and you work mm-hmm. with people every day, and you, they know you, and you know them, and, and all things. But there was just a, a sense of of sweetness and caring and and all of that that you know these are these are these are mostly guys playing very hardened criminals yes and they are of extremely sensitive and uh, loving guys and i think there was something really really moving about that to me um as far as the content of the show is concerned i mean i really did love and um, working with Rita Moreno, who played the, the, mm-hmm. the, the nun that mm-hmm. I kind of worked with close, most closely in the show, that was a, a really juicy um, time for me to be working with such an icon. And um, I don't know. I think there were lots of um, I, my good friend Roger Reed directed the musical episode of the show, and I always remember that episode because um, uh, he and he's. Um, now departed Roger Rista and, and so I, I really miss him and remember fondly the experience of working with him on that episode right so those are the things alright very cool um, well let me say this in 1988 you won a Tony Award for your role in, in M. Butterfly on Broadway I've always thought of stage actors as having to be like way more mentally tough than movie or TV actors as you don't get a lot of lunch breaks and you work what seven days a week maybe two <laughs> shows on Sunday sometimes yeah it's very intense, and I think that I think you're right. I think you really you really have to have a strong constitution and very physically be very physically fit and mentally and emotionally fit and up for it in order to do it. And it's not for uh, wimps. Yep, um, it isn't at all. And there's something extremely satisfying about pulling it off because you have no one else to uh, credit but yourself for getting yourself through it. You don't have an editor kind of shaping your performance. Right. You don't have all of those other things. And and so I've always loved it. I've always loved it as a kind of athletic event. Well, um... You know, I think it's really um, hard to get through. 
Well, you've you've obviously achieved at the highest level, uh, you know, in that medium. Uh, let, let me ask you this: uh, among the many TV shows you've appeared on, I, I wanted to ask you about the USA series, Mr. Robot. Did you ever have a difficult time understanding what was going on while filming? Because I love the show, but there were times where I had to like use a lifeline call to a friend to explain stuff. Ah, well, I have to to, to answer this question in in two different components because as an audience member. The show definitely does require for you to not understand what's happening at times in order to have a fully satisfying experience. In other words, if you get to the point at a certain, I'd say, somewhere in season one where you realize you're not going to be told everything, right? You have to let go of that, and it will come back to you. It will either come back to you because something will become revealed later. Or something will occur to you. There's something kind of cool about that, but we're not used to that in most shows. Yeah, that, so yeah. I fully, I cop to that. I'm sure Sam Esmail, who created the show, fully cops to the fact that yes, I'm not creating for you the same kind of show that you're used to watching. Um, a rewatching of the entire Mr. Robot is incredibly satisfying because when okay. you get to the end and you understand the whole show from the very last moment of the show, you know, the very last moment of the end of the season, the series finale, explains the whole show. And if you start over again and watch it, knowing that, it really helps you to kind of appreciate it better. All However, right. as an actor, there's an other, an added aspect to this that must be mentioned, and that is that a show like this with Sam Esmail at the helm requires a lot of spoiler control. Yeah, I, I can imagine. An actor on the show, they simply don't tell you a lot of basic things about what's going to happen or what's happening and so right. on top of all the stuff that you're talking about about you know things that are generally hard to understand when you're watching the show there's a whole other element of having things being withheld from you when when i was on that show that for the first three seasons was very difficult and then i i was more in the flow of it in the fourth season and i really knew what i was I knew, really knew what was understood. I really understood what was happening right. in the fourth season much better well, than in the first three. Uh, uh, Spud, what? what? If I may interject here, on the topic of not understanding a show, I can't tell you how many times my wife Rachel, who by the way never misses an episode of our show, has asked me when I get home what the heck the show was about, like almost half the time. Don't you think that you could make it a bit easier for our listeners to follow what's going on and not be so uh, so scattered or, or disjointed? This show can be really difficult to uh, follow. Hey, hey BD, I'll be right back. What? To like? Yeah, yeah. You know, like people, right? regular people, to, don't have to know what, what's going on in a, in, like, in a show to like it. I, as a talk show host, do have a need to understand what I'm watching, so if I later interview someone, you know, from a hard-to-follow show, like, you know, there's, some, there's a few of them that I have to really do my research, I don't want to sound stupid. Oh, uh, that is often a real challenge for you, Spud, going way back. Well, you know, I remember your mother telling me your teachers in elementary school said you couldn't follow along with the most simple material. You were well, always bothering your neighbors in class, asking them for an explanation. Yeah, but but I cut down on that, you know, later on, like, in, you know, 7th and 8th grade. Anyway, oh. grade, uh, I became more independent, all right? Now, let me return to BD. Okay, I'm back. 
I, I know you got to go, but let me just say this. You're in the new Jurassic Park movie coming out next year. How top secret is the plot? You only have to say one word response. Can you at least say there are dinosaurs in it? There are so many dinosaurs. All right. It's so epic. All right. It's so beautifully shot. And it's, 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 it's the big final finale to the third, to that whole franchise, the Jurassic World franchise. I really think they did it upright and really in a big way. All right. I really do. Super. Well, I know you definitely got to go. So <laughs> let me say again that you're currently co-starring in the Comedy Central series. Aquafina is Nora from Queens, airing Wednesday nights at 10, 9 Central. Thanks so very much for calling yes. into our show. Yes, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Spud's not going anywhere, and neither should you. The Spud Goodman Radio Show returns in just a moment. We're the Black Tones. We are the Black Tones. I'm Eva. And I'm Cedric. Cedric, who's playing bass? His name is Robbie. Robbie. Robbie's playing bass. This is a Spud Goodman show. Spud Goodman, I'm deleting you off my Facebook. I'm sorry. Oh, oh. We share the same Facebook. I guess that means I'm deleting Spud, too. <laughs> it is what it is, man. The Spud Goodman Show. Spud. Goodman. Goodman. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Uh, Spud, your next guest, Karen David, is holding on the line to speak with you. Okay, you know, as I know you're not familiar with her, I mean, yeah. uh, Karen co-stars on Fear the Walking Dead. You know, she's managed to not get eaten by any of the walkers so far. I mean, I think the show's coming back for season seven, I believe. I know that you enjoy those dead shows, but I, I just don't feel comfortable watching people get eaten by, what, what are, I mean, are they zombies or vampires or, or mummies? In, 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 any, in any event, I can't watch them nibbling on people. I'm going to beat the holy hell out of one of you. Well, that, that's the great part of both shows, The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. You know, seeing people... Get eaten as snack food. Yuck. You know, yeah, I mean, you, you, you got to be on your toes if you're an actor on both of those shows. I mean, one careless moment and bam, someone's gone from the cast. It can happen at any time. So as a viewer, you, you can't be looking down at your phone while, while those shows are on or you're going to miss something, you know, pretty cool. Yeah, no, thank you. Give me a Hallmark movie any day. You know, no one gets eaten on that channel. I know. Anyway, just just put Karen through, please. Yeah, okay, here she is. Please greet actress, singer, songwriter Karen David. We appreciate you coming on our show. Thank you, Spud. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah. So you co-star in AMC's Fear the Walking Dead, and it is back for season seven, airing on Sunday nights and available on demand. Yes, <laughs> I'm so excited for the new season. And so excited for our, our fans and viewers to be tuning in to a very, very, uh, very different season. Um, oh. uh, with the nuclear fallout just happening, you're going to see a much darker season. So um, I'm very excited for everyone to, uh, to see what we've been up to. Yeah. You know, we've had a few of your fellow cast members on our show, Coleman Domingo, Lenny James, and also Jenna Elfman. All, uh, all of you have lasted quite a while, unlike some you know, other past castmates who, who have been eaten by walkers. So th this is going to be your third season. Do you, do you know how you've avoided doing a gruesome death scene so far? <laughs> well, first of all, um, Lenny, Coleman, Jenna, I just pinch myself every day that I get to work with such 
brilliant and talented actors like them and such kind human beings too. They're so wonderful. Um, but yes, I think we've been rather lucky so far. Yeah. So it, it's that kind of it's that kind of realm and world where you take it one day at a time and every day is a win. But in Grace's case, you know, with moving into season seven, she, out of the whole group, knows exactly the implications and ramifications that the, this nuclear fallout has and how grim the reality is. So she tried really hard at the end of season six to convince Morgan that the afterlife is going to be much better than this new reality. But... He didn't go for it, and they heard uh, Baby Moe's cries in the end of season six. So that kind of changed everything. Right. So uh, I think Grace certainly feels um, a lot of pressure on her shoulders to to make sure that everyone's safety is um, first and foremost. And she has to do whatever she can to make sure that um, that they'll all be safe. So hopefully... Hopefully she can pull it off. <laughs> yeah. So where where was season seven shot? The production companies moved around a bit over the years. Yes. So we're now filming in Austin, Texas. Okay. Um, and we get to film uh, all over, all over outside Austin, in these beautiful um, suburbs uh, and backdrops, which is so perfect for apocalyptic life. Um, although in season seven we had to use a lot of VFX. Um, with the practical as well, to create these sepia-toned, very dark images that everyone's going to see because we were filming in springtime, so everything was very lush and green. Right. And that's not quite what a nuclear fallout <laughs> would look like, so um, a lot of the effects is involved, but the cinematography is just so extraordinary, and uh, we had to use a lot of smoke bombs. I believe we... Uh, we kind of cleansed out the whole country of smoke bombs because wow. we had to use it all the time on set. Ooh, I like um, smoke bombs. To, all right. Yeah, the, yeah. The people had to start ordering from Europe because um, we kind of rinsed them out. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, well, I, uh, there are worse places to work than Austin. Like, great music scene there when you're off hours. So, but l- let me ask you this. Um, Fantastic city. Yeah. Y- you know what? <laughs> I was going to say this. I always feel really sorry for the walkers when they get their heads smashed in. As, as in their prior lives, a lot of them were probably pretty nice people. And I just have to keep reminding myself that it's just a TV show, and then, then I'm okay with it. But, yeah. You know, funny that you mentioned that because that is quite um, uh, quite prevalent uh, to, to Grace back in Season 5 when she, she looks at the decimeter. Um, of the people that she loves and cares for, her co-workers, and she knows exactly who she's wrapping up and, um, you know, disposing the bodies of. And uh, every time she takes a decimeter off them, she knows that person. And, yeah, every walker used to be human, and they had their journeys in their life. And it's just, it's so sad. I think part of Grace's journey, even to this day, um, now going into Season 7, is to is to always make sure that the mistakes and choices and decisions she made uh, back at the nuclear plant in season five, that they're not repeated again. Um, So you can only imagine uh, her horror and the stress levels she's going through now seeing this newly radiated world 50 gazillion times worse than what it was in season five. Um, It's it's her biggest nightmare. True. 
Wow. A spud. What? Well, there, there's no need to worry about the fate of all the walkers who've had their uh, heads crushed by the surviving humans well, that's on just all those I dead shows. I, I know, but all beings, be they living or even those deceased walking around, have the opportunity for an afterlife. It, it just comes well. down to how sinful they were on Earth. Now, as I've told you on many occasions, you, too, still have an outside chance of maybe making it to heaven if you did a complete makeover spiritually. Yes, it's a long shot, but what do you have to lose? What the hell do you have to lose? Um, Karen, I'll be right back. You know those walkers are not dead in real life, right? I mean, they're cast members of a TV show, like I just said mostly extras in the production. They don't have to worry about how many sins they've committed in life. Jeez. We, well, we, we all have to one day be held accountable for our behavior, Spud. So I'll have to respectfully disagree with you. Yeah, I guess whatever. Just, just let me get back to Karen. Okay, I have returned. Okay. Well, one last quick Walker question and I'll get on those. But I was curious, at the end of the day, how long does it take for the Walkers to have their makeup taken off? And do you know if any of them ever just went home in full makeup to freak out their family or roommates? Because that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> no, I don't think they'd want to stay in that um, prosthetic for that long. <laughs> okay, I just had to ask. But, um, all right, all right. It, it depends. It, it depends, um, you know, what kind of prosthetics they're having. If they're having body prosthetics put on or if they're having just the face, but it, it is quite a few hours in the chair at least. Okay. Well, you know, Karen, you yeah. were born in India, raised in Canada, and studied theater in London. But but as both Fear of the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead are pretty darn popular everywhere around the globe, I was wondering if they can get AMC in India. Or have, you, have you been back to visit and gotten mobbed at the supermarket? You know, I it's been, obviously with the pandemic, sadly, I haven't been able to travel oh, yeah, much. Good um, point, good I, haven't, point. I haven't traveled outside the country in two and a half years. And so yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. been tough, you know, to, to you know, obviously for, for all of us, uh, we want to see our family and our friends, but we've had to, you know, yeah. almost to love the people that we care about, we've had to keep away. Um, but um, now it's, it's, it's improving slowly and getting better. So I hope to go back to India. I talked to my uncle um, uh, weekly, and uh, so, you know, they find their ways of uh, AMC. I, I don't know if it's showing in India. I, I'd like to think it is because it does show all over the world across the globe. Yes, so, it does. Um, I do have fans that from India that do comment on my Instagram and say, oh, my gosh, I'm enjoying the show so much. So that just makes me so excited that they're, they're tuning in, too. But... Um, I guess we'll wait and see when I go back home and visit. Yeah. Well, prepare to get mobbed. All right, I know you got to go, so let me say again <laughs> that the show you co-star in, Fear of the Walking Dead, is back for Season 7 on AMC, airing Sunday nights, and can be found on demand, too. Thanks so much for checking in with us. Thank you so much for having me. There you have it, Ms. Karen David. My... How time flies. And Dorothy, do you have any mementos from your past marriages? Well, I, I know, I know, you never really been legally married yet, but you did used to call those gentlemen you were shacking up with over the years your common-law husbands, right? Oh no, no, I never did keep anything from my prior relationships. 
in the past. Really, not until Chance and I started dating, and now I have quite a collection of things that will always be special to me. And I'm starting to compile quite a collection of items from our relationship too, Dorothy. I don't know if I told you, but I kept the ticket stub for when we went to see Metallica a few years ago. Oh. I wasn't a fan, but my mom loves them, so that's why I asked you to go with her and I. And, you know, after that concert with you and her, they're now my fourth most favorite band. Ooh, yeah. Uh, we don't have time for you to do a countdown to your most favorite, so I want to know if we have any listeners out there who you know who might want to jump in on this conversation. S- you know, someone play the call in, uh, you know, plug thing. Call in the spudline and give them a piece of your mind. Call the spudline. Call the spudline and give them a piece of your mind. Two five three two four two three zero five four. Call the spudline. Call the spudline and give them a piece of your mind. Call the spudline. And also, can someone please screen whoever gets on the air? We don't need some who who just puts everyone to sleep. Hey, uh, a chance. I think it is so sweet that you two document your relationship. Uh, You know, I took my now wife, Rachel, uh, to a concert when we were both at BYU, and it was on campus, so I I didn't have to use my bike, which uh, uh, she really was not fond of uh, to get us there. We walked. How long is the story going to go on? Okay, okay. Anyway, I believe Rachel still has the ticket stubs from when we saw Donnie and Marie perform live in the round. Uh, It was in the the gymnasium. And and let me tell you, sold out, of course. And wow, what a show they put on. That's uh, frankly offensive. It looks like we do have a collar holding. That was fast. Too fast to screen them, but Trevor's putting it through, I guess. This collar sucks, then blame Trevor, not me. Um, I will reserve my blame until after I speak with whoever's holding on the line now. So, you know, but I'm just, I'm going to go into this call with positive thoughts. There, there you go. So, all right. All right. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. I've, I've called in before. I didn't need to be reminded what the call in line number is. Well, it's just a courtesy I, I, to arrest. Whatever. Uh, so that story, you know, on social media about that lady who kicked out her boyfriend who wanted her to, to toss her things out from past guys in her life. Yeah, years, yeah, you know? that's what we're talking about. That story, oh yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. I definitely have an opinion on this one. Last month, I kicked out my wife. I put my foot down about keeping mementos from prior relationships. It's sad it had to come to that, but this type of thing is not okay. It was very disrespectful to me and to our marriage. So you actually told your wife the marriage was over just because of a few things from the past she'd kept? That's that's pretty hardcore. I mean, that that, that woman in the story wasn't married to the dude she dumped. Uh, I'm picking up you're the, the, the jealous type, huh? Oh, hey, Spud, not necessarily. There are times when a man has to put his foot down and lay down the law. I, that's uh, frankly offensive. The past should be left behind and not uh. not treasured if it does not involve your current partner. <laughs> oh, Gerald, I doubt very seriously you have ever put your foot down and well. laid down the law to Rachel. She wears the pants in your marriage. In fact, you don't even appear to be wearing pants when I see you two together. Ooh, wow. I, yeah, geez. Gerald. 
and when I do marry Dorothy, I will never nice put Andrew. my foot down anywhere, and I'm not one to impose laws on the woman I love. Well, of course you wouldn't, honey. You are a confident young man who sees no need to subjugate their partner just out of feelings of insecurity. You know, I called in here. Can I talk? Yeah, here? well, you know, so your listeners, you know, your listeners, they need to understand that woman in the story that blew up on social media was not someone I'd ever be with. I can tell you that. What's with you, Johan? Yeah, I'm thinking she probably has better options right now uh, than you for sure. Though, but you, know, you are both single. Uh, I have to say that. So, so hey, what was the final straw that that made you end the marriage? You know, what memento specifically from the past was that big of a deal? Well, you know, she was getting stuff all during the time we were together, and she kept everything. Her ex-husband kept trying to get her back, you know, from the moment we got married. Oh, you never said okay, okay. You know, first Thursday every month, I guess they met on a Thursday. He also drives by our house all the time when she's outside gardening, and oh. she always waves. I mean, can you believe that? I mean, when I when I found a couple of gross pictures on her phone, he sent her. Well, well that was when I'd had it. I, I I know photography, and you know, there's no way I've ever seen a guy in a locker room yeah. look like that. Don't be so overly dramatic about it. Oh, caller, maybe you've only seen showers, not growers. It's a common mistake people make when evaluating that sort of thing. I have no idea what you just said, lady. <laughs> I just wanted to call in to say that people should toss out any and all memorabilia from prior relationships. That's just a time bomb. It'll eventually go off and cause major issues. You know, it's, it's probably for the best, you know, that, that you guys got divorced. It, it's obvious your ex-wife is still in love with her prior husband. You, you just need to move on and find someone else who maybe has cut the ties with their ex. You know? Hey, caller, you made the right decision. Don't look back. At, you know, just get on with your life. You know, at our church, there are a number of single women that might be interested in meeting you. You, you sound like a traditional kind of guy that respects old-fashioned values. Every other Saturday night, we have a singles mingle night. Uh, you don't have to be a member of the congregation to come. I mean, you would have to join the church if you did ask somebody out on a formal date, of course. You know what I mean! Uh, no thanks. I'm doing okay. I mean, I just signed up for that site, uh, OkCupid, and, you know, the first thing I put down on my profile, though, was not being okay with mementos and prior relationships. I am not going through that again. Well, good luck with that. Uh, you might have a better chance of finding gold in your backyard. Um, yeah, I'm just saying. So, But anyway, I got to go, caller. Uh, I, I need to sign off. We're running behind. So, hey, dump the call, please. Hey, wait, just no, dump, no, what, what? Yeah. Man, what a whiner. Anyway, I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be. And I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Hey, you know, if that caller feels he could find a better match as a potential wife on that uh, OK Cupid place than at our church's singles mingle night, he is sorely mistaken. Yeah, but do not worry about him. I'm sure he'll yeah. be fine, okay? I've heard that OK Cupid site sucks. He should try It's Just Lunch. Yes! Sweetie, what do you know about those single dating sites? Well, my next-door neighbor has tried them all over the years. Hmm. He actually finally found someone to go out with him on that It's Just Lunch site, and yeah, it was just lunch with that woman he went out with. He was pretty bummed about it. <sighs> Whatever. I'm out of here. Later. Copyright 2021, Spud Goodman Productions.